Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. Far too often, our lives tend to have a singular focus on achievement. Our society tends to prioritize doing well over being well. But the truth is, we can have both, success and well-being. My guest, Nas Beheshi, says that when we integrate every aspect of our life and we fuel that ecosystem as a whole, we can both be well and do well. She'll share more with us today. Nas Beheshi is an author, executive wellness coach, speaker, Forbes contributor, and CEO and founder of Prananas, a corporate wellness company. She has over 20 years of work experience at Fortune 500 companies and has had firsthand experience learning from luminaries like Steve Jobs and the Dalai Lama. And the consulting work she has done with international business leaders, startups, universities, and global organizations. During our conversation, Naz will explain what it takes to become the CEO of your well-being, based on the concepts in her new book. She'll offer tips and strategies to boost productivity, manage stress, and develop healthy self-talk that encourages us to be our best selves. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hi, Naz. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, thanks. It is lovely to connect with you today to talk about your new book, Pause, Breathe, Choose, Become the CEO of Your Well-Being, which is a great title, by the way. And this book is so timely and relevant because so many people are facing stress, uh, burnout, and just feeling out of balance. So I'm sure that a lot of people will resonate with your message. Absolutely. Especially when it came out during the pandemic, people thought it was for that time. However, I started actually writing it years beforehand, and it's still timely because stress is, especially in the workplace and just in life in general, is, is you know, inevitable. It's going to be there. It's all about how do you manage that stress? How do you know what to do when you're faced with stress, with adversity, overwhelm, and just, um, you know, acquiring healthy habits so you could build that resilience. And Mm -hmm. that's really what my book helps uh, readers do. Right. And I'm sure that COVID, like being under uh, quarantine and having to work from home made people more aware of just how much that kind of lifestyle was impacting them, right? Did you find that happening with the people who who read your book or who you came into contact with in your coaching business? Absolutely. And and not only just noticing 
how much they were feeling stress and overwhelmed, but also uh, having kind of a aha moment and a wake up mm-hmm. call, realizing that you know there's more to life than working yeah. like mundane things. And the whole great resignation, you know, started people started leaving their their jobs because they weren't fulfilled and it wasn't. Um, purposeful. It wasn't purpose-driven. And so people realize that life is too short and they need to be doing things that they love to do. And that, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially was regarding their 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 careers, their work, because we spend most of our days, our time in our life at work. So we should love what we do. And people are at least waking up to realize that and they don't want to waste time doing something they don't love to do, or at least like to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you highlight that prominently in your book where you talk about purpose. I know that you dedicate one chapter to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Nas, let's let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, you say that your book is inspired by your twenty years of experience working for Fortune five hundred companies, and also your firsthand experience learning from luminaries like Steve Jobs. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, you say that he was your first mentor. So. Please tell us what was it like working with the man and what did you learn during your time with him? Well, I learned a lot. It was my first job out of college. So just being introduced to the corporate world and working at Apple was a highly inspiring and influential experience to say the least, because in hindsight, my experience working for Steve as my first boss and mentor really set me on the path to finding my purpose and my passion and not only finding it, but actually having the courage uh, to pursue it and creating my own company, Pranana, as a corporate wellness company. So, you know, it really helped me see things from, you know, a different perspective, not just like in the box thinking, because uh, corporate wellness and what I chose to do being executive wellness coach and, you know, corporate wellness programs was a very nascent industry back when I started over a decade ago. And so that, you know, working for Steve up, you know, close and personally showed me and really gave me the the courage to follow my heart and intuition and not just be stuck in a box of like, well, I'm not sure if that's, you know, a big enough industry can I make it in corporate wellness or executive coaching? Um, I didn't care about like what other people were doing. I just wanted to do what I felt I love to do and and how I could make the best impact. And working for him also made me realize that there is a very big wellness gap. And, you know, um, companies were not providing the tools um, and and like, support to their employees to manage their stress. And the company culture um, compared to today in some companies was non-existent in terms of, um, you know, supporting employees, psychological safety, um, wellness, employee wellness programs, all those things were not up front and center. And if so, was considered like a luxury, not a necessity. Whereas now, companies are realizing that, you know, employee well-being is a smart decision, you know, business decision and keeping your employees happy and healthy is smart business. It's not just a luxury. It's a, it's a necessity for greater productivity, for um, employee retention, um, attraction for all of that. 
Okay. And did Steve Jobs, did he model that? Because I, I read that he was very conscious of his health. Like he walked a lot and I believe that he was into Eastern philosophy, Eastern medicine. He was a big proponent of that. And did you see him practice any of that? Well, I was in charge of his schedule. So I made sure that his schedule had the space and allocated time for his daily practices. You know, he meditated daily, which Mm was amazing. And that was an inspiration for me. Uh, My mom was also, you know, the person who actually got me into meditation, but it was great to see, you know, a founder and CEO of a, you know, global brand doing this. He also ate really healthy and light Mm -hmm. so that had the energy to, you know, perform at his best. He had, you know, strong relationships with his family. He had a personal trainer several times a week. So, you know, from his physical, mental, emotional, you know, social well-being, it was all covered. He took a holistic approach, which is what my method is also based on, is a holistic approach to well-being. It's no longer just the physical you know, like what you, how you move your body or what you eat. It's so much more than that. And then of course, also having purpose in your life. Like he built a company and products that he was extremely passionate about. Right. So, you know, going back to what we talked about before about having that passion and purpose, because that fuels you, it fulfills you. And he was really fulfilled and nourished even at work, you know, whereas some people are just you know, live for the weekends and are nourished, you know, on their vacations or after work or on the weekends. Um, He was all day, night, you know, it it was his life was full. And so that has also influenced me and my programs and my company to, to follow and emulate that like holistic model. Right. Just out of curiosity, because, you know, there's so many movies made about him. There are books written about him. And he was known to be a very difficult person to deal with, temperamental. Did mm-hmm. you see any of that working for him? I mean, obviously I did. I was very <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it's only normal and natural to like, you know, when you work for a very intense person who demands yeah. excellence. And yeah, you know, that comes within the territory, doesn't excellent. it? It does. And not to say that it's okay to treat people, you know, poorly. And he didn't do that all the time, but he did have, he was just intense, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I did. Oh, but the meditation helped with that, right? Yes. To calm his nerves. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of meditation, you actually went on a, on a retreat to India. I remember reading that in the book, you lived in an ashram. What was that experience like for you? Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was life-changing. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, woke up, you know, before the sun rose every day, would meditate for hours, do yoga, you know, eat really healthy, go for hikes. I mean, it was just, and it was just me by myself. And so it was yeah. a really like time to reflect. And that was when actually when I came and then I ended that trip um, with the Dalai Lama and did a five-day um, like teaching retreat with him. Wow. And <laughs> the day yeah, I got isn't that. he just I've heard he's just pure love, right? Just being in his presence, yeah. like yeah, he's he's a oh special God, person. Even just like when he giggles, it's just pure love exuding. Mm. Like his giggle yeah. when he laughs, it's like a sweet little baby giggle. It just his that sound is always mm-hmm. like with 
giggle. It's just so cute and so sweet. Um, and he was also just really inspiring. And that experience was life-changing. And the day I returned from that trip was when I quit my last corporate job as a pharmaceutical sales rep and started my company because I could no longer live another day, not walking my truth and and pursuing my passion. And Mm -hmm. so that's why that trip, that six weeks in India just changed my life completely. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely sounds like an intense spiritual experience, uh, for sure. So let's talk about your book now. Subtitle of your book is Become the CEO of Your Wellbeing. It's really about taking action, empowered action, right? Making healthy choices, creating healthy habits, and um, really taking charge of your life. And anyone can be the CEO of your well-being. Just because it has CEO in the title doesn't mean you have to be a leader or CEO in a company. It's your life and you have like executive decision-making power of all the things that you choose to do, what you choose to eat, what how you choose to move your body, what you choose to think about, how you choose to spend your energy, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about promoting good mental, emotional, physical, social, occupational, and environmental health and making, you know, smart choices, better choices, mm-hmm. and um, essentially managing your stress levels and building resilience. So in other words, it's it's really about um, well-being at its core and being well in all areas of your life and choosing to be well in all areas of your life. Yeah. And I think also being accountable for your actions and your choices. Sometimes that's lacking in people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we make, I read somewhere about 35,000 decisions a day. I know that Mm -hmm. sounds like overwhelming and a lot, and a lot of them are unconscious. Um, but the thing is that, The ones like from the second you wake up, you know, you have the choice of what you want to do and one good choice begets another, right? And same Mm -hmm. as the flip side, if you're like, oh, I already chose to indulge in whatever action or behavior um, or food today, I'll start better tomorrow. It's like it creates a ripple effect, whether they're good choices or with choices, right? Yeah, then so, it kind of snowballs and becomes snowballs. Yeah, exactly. You reach so yeah. trying to just make those good choices, better choices, um, stems from actually having to be mindful to begin with, because a lot of choices are just automatic. We're on autopilot, and we'll just mm-hmm. make the choice, whether it's good or bad, or whatever the choice is. But we have to be mindful of the choice, like consciously choose better, consciously choose to be the CEO of our well-being. Mm-hmm. And uh, stress is quite prevalent in our society. In fact, it's on the rise um, pretty much in every country in the world. Uh, and uh, one of the models that you suggest to work on our stress levels is called the ACE method. Could you please explain what that is and break it down for us? Sure. So the ACE method is really a new way of reframing stress. It's essentially an effective way to upgrade both your mindset and behavior. So Mm -hmm. if you think of it as like an inverted triangle, so like on one side is acute stress. Acute stress is on one side. 
U stress, which is a positive stress. And then at the bottom is uh, chronic stress, which is like very dangerous and deadly stress. So we want to stay on top of this triangle and um, toggle between the acute, which is a necessary stress and U stress, a good stress. And try to avoid the trap of chronic stress. And I know that's easier said than done. However, it could also just mean that we choose to shift our mindset, right? About um, that space that we're in, in, in chronic stress so that we can move it either to acute stress or use stress and avoid this trap. So um, there are, you know, three, three steps really. And um, basically we ACE stress using the ACE method through awareness, change and empowerment. So step okay. one is first to be aware of the signs and symptoms of um, the stressors. So we identify, is it the acute stress here? Is it the use stress or is it the chronic stress, the deadly right. stress? Then step two is to change your mindset, to choose to reframe the stress using an upgraded you know, mindset. And then you can, when you choose to use an upgraded mindset, you, you choose to look at that stress as an opportunity, right? Like you give yourself options or opportunities, both in mindset and behavior. Okay. And then lastly, Three is to take empowered and effective action based on, mm -hmm. you know, step one and two. Okay. Thank you for explaining that, Naz. So another problem that you talk about that seems to be prevalent, you know, at least in the professional world is productivity. So a lot of people are struggling with productivity, especially with because of their smartphones and social media. I mean, there are just so many distractions now. So tell us about why people struggle with productivity and uh, and you also you have a term for it you call it the productivity trap what is it and how can we avoid falling into it mm -hmm. yeah so really it's a constant chasing we all are chasing productivity through more hours and more efficient time management which will land you into the productivity trap really. Um, so we can avoid that productivity trap by being mindful of the quality of our work instead of the number of hours and being aware of managing our energy instead of our time. Because, you know, time is set. There's only 24 hours in the day. We can't do anything. We cannot gain more time. However, if we manage our energy we can gain more energy and make more useful time out of our time. So productivity without awareness creates that wellness gap, masking mm -hmm. any early signs of burnout. And we must really um, approach productivity from a quality paradigm instead of a quantity paradigm. I see this a lot in companies where um, people, employees say, well, I just, I have to show face. I have to, you know, show up at the office, even though I don't have a lot to do because I need my boss to see, or even, you know, executives want their employees to see them at work or vice mm -hmm. versa, you know, just to show that they're present, even though maybe they don't need to physically be there. Right. So mm -hmm. it's not about, it's not about just showing up to show that you're there, even if you don't need to be there, maybe you can do it virtually or from, you know, from home. 
Um, it's about the quality of your work and doing the work that you need to do and, and focusing on your energy and quality rather than your time and just like, you know, useless hours of just showing up, even if you don't need to be there at work. That makes sense. But when you tell like higher ups about this, do you face any pushback? Because I know a lot of them like to, you know, especially the ones who like to micromanage. They're like, I I want to see them at their desk and see what they're up to. Like, do you face any pushback when you suggest this or when you explain this concept to them? Well, I did before uh, the pandemic, before we all went virtual for, um, because before uh, remote work, there was this misconception that when people work from home, they're not productive. Right. But the pandemic showed otherwise. The pandemic mm-hmm. actually showed that people are, in in many cases, more productive at work. I mean, depends. There are those times when like if you have your children at home and you don't have childcare and and those those instances where you're not as productive but for the most part um studies have shown research has shown that people have are more productive at home and can be more productive at home so now i don't get that pushback because it's been proven that people are getting their work done at home and so you don't need to show up just to show up however having said that um you know, as a leader myself and, you know, working with leaders and executives, there is great benefit to being present in person to um, collaborate and increase team morale and, you know, relationships, rapport, all of that when need be, but not just to do it, to do it. You know what I mean? You need to do it intentionally. Yeah. With this. So there is great benefit to be at work. And I think the smart companies or the savvy leaders are picking and choosing, okay, on this day, we're doing like a team meeting, we want everyone there, like that's, that's the intentional purposeful type of like, okay, come to work on that day, you know, when when companies are only saying, um, are giving employees options to come a few days a week, for example, so like a hybrid sort of um, setup. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, it, it, you know, working from home has its challenges, as you said, I mean, you've got to be organized, you got to make sure that there are no distractions, like your kids, your pets, or whatever. Sure. Um, so so there is a caveat to, to that. There is, but also a lot of people uh, commute to work, right? So they end up saving anywhere from half an hour to a couple hours or more yeah. on yeah. the commute. Yeah. You know, they don't have to commute. So they they actually end up gaining more hours in their day, right? Mm-hmm. So they, I, I've learned and heard from many clients and just this is known that people are actually ending up spending more time with their family because of they don't have to commute or ending up being able to have time for themselves to exercise in the morning because they're not commuting, for example. Mm-hmm. So there are benefits to that as well. Okay. One of the other concepts that you bring into focus is about how we speak to ourselves, our self-talk. You describe two entities within within us, the inner coach and the inner critic and their impact on our life. So how can we work with both of them, the inner coach and the inner critic to develop a, a balanced approach and attitude? So the inner, we want to try to mostly work with the inner coach and kind of ignore the inner critic because 
the inner critic, it's, I, I always uh, liken it to two dogs inside you competing for attention, right? So you have the inner coach, which is the good dog and the inner critic, which is the bad dog. And the inner coach represents, you know, positivity, you stress, good stress, and a growth mindset. While the inner critic, on the other hand, is just like yapping away all negativity. It represents negativity, distress, and limiting beliefs. So it's really crucial to remember that the dog you feed determines the type of life you lead, right? So if you are choosing to listen to the bad dog that's criticizing and negative all day long, that's the type of life you're going to lead and choices you're going to make based on that inner critic versus if you listen, choose to listen to the inner coach, then you're going to view the world through the eyes of the inner coach when, which will help you make, uh, feel more comfortable, confident, um, and you'll view challenges uh, as opportunities rather than like threats or obstacles, right? So we harness the positive energy of acute stress and use stress and then avoid chronic stress when we listen to that inner coach. And then we can also end up seeing ourselves as like continually evolving and focus on improving ourselves if we choose to listen to that, you know, good dog, the inner, inner coach. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point, Naz. But what if someone has a very, very strong overpowering inner critic? Do you have any advice for how they can kind of tune it out or turn it down a little bit? Yeah. So there's so many different things. And, you know, at first I would say to experiment with different types of things. Well, one is I would say to, you know, try meditation, for example, to just like focus on your breathing and just like, you know, take a pause. And I mean, the title of my book, pause, yeah. breathe, choose. Yes. When you are aware that that inner coach, or I'm sorry, inner critic is, is like yapping at you and being very negative, take a pause and take some conscious breaths. And when you take conscious breaths and that pause, it will better equip you to make a conscious choice. And that conscious choice could choose, you could choose to be aware of that inner critic and say, okay, this is just the inner critic. What would the inner coach say? Let me hear the inner coach and like choose to listen and think what would the inner coach say? Also, another option is to think of like your best friend or a family member, a loved one that like, if they came to you with the same, whatever that inner critic is saying to you, what would you say to them? Yeah. And also whatever the inner critic is saying, whatever yeah. negativity it is, we would, you know, as a friend, as a loved one would like try to help them and support them and veer yeah. them away from thinking that way, because we're so much more empathetic and compassion towards other people than ourselves. Right. Right. So I always, yeah. um, you know, be as kind to yourself as you would to a loved one, you know, and yeah. that's a instant reminder right there. Yeah. Especially well. if you're a perfectionist or someone who's like a high achiever or really wants to get it right. There's this misconception that you have to be hard on yourself. And that often comes from something they picked up in their childhood because of a parent or something. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of it stems from there. And that's why yeah. confidence, confident building is very important, right? Because yeah. the more confident you are, the more you're like, well, I'm not going to listen. To that. That's not even true. Like, I don't believe it, you know, but if you don't have that confidence and you hear this inner critic or someone else is telling you negative things all day, um, 
you start to believe it. And it's very hard then to listen to an inner coach because you're more veered towards the inner uh, critic because that's what you know and almost feel comfortable with because that's what you hear, unfortunately, all the time, whether it's inside or externally from other people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so true. So, I mean, we're just scratching the surface here, but very quickly, I want to talk about just some of the some of the practices that you suggest in the book. I mean, it's full of inspiring ideas and practices that you call business hacks. So, Naz, what are your favorite ones when developing a mindset uh, that's defined by resilience and excellence? My favorite one is PBC, pause, breathe, choose. Because that yeah. is the easiest uh, one for me to remember. I even have it inscribed in my AirPods. I have my book sitting around on the coffee table because the cover of the book is a reminder since it's the title of my book. Uh, but I also chose to, to title Pause, Breathe, Choose. And thankfully, my publisher liked it and agreed to have that title was because it, came, it stemmed from all the workshops that I do as a corporate wellness consultant and executive mm-hmm. coach. Whenever I do my stress management resilience trainings after the workshop or the training, I ask the the group or individual, what was your biggest takeaway? Like what just, well, you just asked me, I asked them, like, what are you, you know, what is your favorite out of all the things that you learned today? And 99.9% of the time of all the years I've been doing this, people have said the pause, breathe, choose method, uh, just because it's simple, it's easy. I mean, I don't know how easy it is for someone who doesn't really um, know about breathing and being in tuned with breathing at first. However, it is simple. It's simple to implement. And then it becomes easy as you yeah. do it. Does, doesn't breathing like increase serotonin or one of those hormones? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you pump in more oxygen as well. That calms you down. Your brain, it calms you down. Exactly. So when we're really anxious or overwhelmed or stressed or spiraling mentally, like, you know, going down a rabbit hole and, and spiraling in our thoughts, uh, if we're mindful that we're doing that, we're mindful then to say, okay, I'm, you know, let me pause, let me step back, I'm going to pause. And then taking those mindful breaths distracts, interrupts whatever that overwhelm, spiraling, all those, whatever those emotions you're feeling, it disrupts that for a moment and brings you back to the present moment. So then you can choose more wisely, right? So mm-hmm. pause, breathe, choose is my favorite. I also love my um, just, mindful self check-ins throughout the day. So I briefly, you know, check in with myself, like, you know, what am I, what is my posture? How am I just sat up straight? Cause I sometimes hunch over. Right. So like yeah. everything from physical, mental, like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? How am I sitting? Um, you know, am I thirsty? I always have this like, you know, glass of water at my desk, like just to always be checking in on how I'm feeling, what I'm yeah. thinking, just quick check-in, right? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like most people don't do that. And it's so simple to do, you know, just take a second or two to just like stop and just, yeah, like you said, check in with yourself and see what, what are you needing? Do you need some water? Do you need to like step out and get out in nature? I mean, I mean, it's so simple yet people don't do it enough. Yeah. Right. And then my my all time favorite is the whole RPM rise p meditate. It's um you know meditate first thing in the morning and move followed by movement. Um, that is something that just keeps me on track and focused, grounded, 
So, I mean, there's so many in the book. I've over 80 in the book. Yeah, it, it is a lot. That's why I said we're scratching the surface here. I mean, everybody yeah. to get the book because, yeah, <laughs> provided a lot of a lot of great ideas and things that you can do, like, like I said, different hacks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I like to give people options, right? It's, I don't, yeah. I, I don't encourage anyone to go do all 80 at once. I, right. I want to give people options because that's overwhelming in itself. So start yeah. small, pick one or two and, you yeah. know, go from there. Yeah. Cause wellness is, um, it's a very customized journey. I mean, there are the basics, right. But at the end of the day, you got to find what works for you and for your lifestyle. And yeah, absolutely. So I think it's mm-hmm. great that you offered a lot of options. All right, Ness, thank you so much for taking the time to be here to share your knowledge with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here today. Uh, just very quickly, I want to let everyone know that Ness Beheshti's book, Pause, Breathe, Choose, Become the CEO of Your Wellbeing, is available um, in all major bookstores. And you can also find it on her website, nasbeheshti.com. The link will be in the description box. All right, Ness, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.